Almighty God, good morning to you. Welcome to the fastest growing podcast morning show on YouTube and in America for that matter. You're on live with Get Up With God, but thank you so much for watching. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what is the spirit of familiarity. We're going to define it. We're going to learn about it, and then we're going to learn how to keep it out of our life, what it can do to affect your life. It's going to be a great study this morning. Grab your Bible, grab a notepad. I encourage you to stay along with me, take notes, and then go back, read through the six points that I give you, because we're going to do six points here at 6 a.m., and go through and jot some of these notes down, refer back to the email. If you're not subscribed to the email yet, please uh, go to my website. You can do that at dylanmaverick.com. You can sign up for the email there. You'll get updates after each podcast and then a recap for the week on the podcasts that we went through. That way you can study along with us and uh, it's going to be a great study today. So let's pray. Good morning to everybody that is live with me and watching. I appreciate you joining the show, but let's pray and let's jump right into this thing. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We give you praise, glory, and we worship you. We just take a minute, Lord, to recognize you, not for what you do for us, not what you're going to do for us. But Lord, just for who you are, you're faithful to us. We're so thankful, Lord, for how good you are, how faithful you are. We're just thankful for all the things that you have done for us. And you're a good God. You're a good, gracious God. The Bible says, your word says, Lord, in James, that only good and perfect gifts come down from you. You don't shower us with bad gifts or bad things or judgment. That time has not come yet. So we thank you, Lord, for being good to us, being faithful to us and always sticking with your word, never going beyond your word, and staying with your word, doing what you say you're going to do. We thank you that you're faithful. Thank you for being a model for us to live up to. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you've done. We ask, Lord, that this week would be a productive, Lord, a, a, revel, a, a revelatory week for us, whether it be studying, whether it be in business, in our jobs, in our families. It'd just be a dynamic week. And we thank you, Lord, in advance for that in faith now. I speak over every person listening under the sound of my voice that you'd help them now. Lord, I ask that you'd reach out right now for whoever's watching and listening, that you'd help them right where they're at in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's get into this this morning. Today, again, we're talking about what is the spirit of familiarity? What does the Bible talk about about it? How does it affect your life? And what are some things that we can do to avoid this spirit? We're going to do six points here at 6 a.m., part two of this. We'll probably talk about, well, I know we're going to talk about is uh, the cure for familiarity, but today we're going to talk about what is familiarity. So if you've already, if you've watched this part two is going to be about the cure for familiarity and how we can cure that and what we can do about it. But I want to define familiarity, how it affects people's lives today, how it's affecting our world today for that matter. And then we can, uh, Uh, We can go from there. So let's start with this. Uh, Point number one, familiarity defined. Let's define familiarity. Uh, Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 13, and then I'm going to define this for you in a definition. Matthew chapter 13, the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13. The way I define familiarity, and I, I can actually reference a military term with this, Uh, There's a military term for familiarity called fraternization. Um, They deem this as an extremely toxic relationship between people and leadership, for that matter, within the military. But here's the definition I have for familiarity. And write these things down. This is point number one. It is relaxed 
friendliness, or intimacy between people. You can write that down. Relaxed friendliness or intimacy between people. Uh, point number two we're going to get into in just a second. You can jump ahead and write point number two down and leave some space so you can take some notes. But point number two is going, we're going to talk about this relaxed attitude. But defining familiarity as a relaxed friendliness or intimacy between people. I actually want to take a second. I don't have it pulled up. I want to pull it up, though, is I'm writing a book called Armor Bears. And within this book of armor bearing, I talk about the uh, principles of honor, the principles of familiarity, and how it can affect people's lives. And it's not just a book for armor bearers, but how we, as the body of Christ, servants in the church and in ministry, are armor bearers. We bear the armor of the ministry leaders, and we are any t- in any capacity that you serve, and you serve as an armor bearer. So I want to jump down to here to defining familiarity. I, sh- I printed a page out that I'm going to quote to you in just a little bit, but I want to quote to you out of this, out of the military, how they define fraternization. Uh, the Marine Corps define fraternization as undermining the authority of the senior or compromising the chain of command. The Air Force says that fraternization, listen to this now, fraternization erodes morale, erodes good order, discipline, respect for authority, unit cohesion, or mission accomplishment. So listen to that again. The, The military, they define this, the spirit of familiarity. They call it fraternization. It's a relaxed friendliness or intimacy between people, not just intimacy between people, but a relaxed friendliness. It's relaxed. Uh, the, air, uh, the military defines it as undermining the authority of the senior or compromising the chain of command. Uh, and it, 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 this, this familiarity of fraternization erodes more morale, good order, discipline, respect of authority, co- unit cohesion, and mission accomplishment. That's a powerful thing. Familiarity is 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 running rampant right now within society. And what it is, point number two, is it is a relaxed attitude. Write that down for point number two. It is a relaxed attitude. Uh, this authorizes familiarity to work within your life. It's when it, you're not paying attention to the details. You are, you're relaxed around it. You're not um, paying attention to what the uh, importance is of the thing that you're dealing with. Um, this is actually opposite, and I don't want to get too much into honor because some of the other lessons we're going to do this week that I have prepared are, are around honor, um, but it is actually the opposite of honor. Honor pays high levels, extreme high levels of attention to detail. That's what honoring something is, is you pay an extremely high level attention to the details of something. That'd be That's how you honor something. You want to honor your wife, honor your husband honor your pastor, honor your boss, honor whatever, honor whoever it is that's in authority and display a, a uh, put on a display of honor. It comes with high levels of attention to detail. We'll talk about that more in a, in a different podcast, but that is how this is defined. It's a relaxed attitude, uh, relaxed attitude. Point number three, let's get into Matthew chapter 13 and jump over to verse 53 with me. Now it came to pass This is Matthew 13 and 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, say that his own country, when he had came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, 
so that they were astonished at what he said. They said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? So hold on. Let's look at this. It is defined here. They said they're, they're defining that they believe that the things that he was saying and doing was powerful. They were powerful things because listen to what they said. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So it's not that he wasn't doing anything powerfully or he wasn't putting on a show of excellence and might from God that was on display. They even said it that where did this man, this is just a man. They said, where did this man get these mighty works and this wisdom from? So they identified that there's something powerful coming from Jesus. And this is what familiarity does. It starts to, it notices, it recognizes, or I would say this, it within within itself acknowledges the might that somebody has, but it is now they dumb it down is what the what this familiarity familiarity does is familiarity familiarity brings things down to a lower level and it normalizes things it starts to normalize things well it's just a man i know i know that they're working on behalf of god but it's just a man verse 55 is this not the carpenter's son is not his mother called mary and his brothers james joseph simon and judas and his sisters are they not all with us where did, where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. Well, wait a second. This is what familiarity does. And especially I'm going to relate it back to church and Christianity, but this is what it does within the church is it normalizes things that should be uh, placed at a high level and brings them down to a normal level. Well, uh, you know, that pastor just puts his pants on the same way that I do. I've, if I've heard that phrase one time, I've heard it a thousand times from, from people that are in ministry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give any certain attention to a pastor. He's just a man like you and me. Is he? Well, he is. He's a human being. He's made of flesh and bone. He does wear clothing. He's, oh, he or she is a, is a human being, but this is what familiarity does is it begins to creep in. It begins to sneak within your life. And I want to say this familiarity is, is always present from the beginning of a relationship you can write that note down. We're still on point number three. Uh, where did this man get all this wisdom? Matthew 13, but familiarity is present at the beginning of every relationship. As soon as a relationship is established, that spirit is present. It doesn't mean that it's, um, that you are sub, sub, subject to it yet, but that spirit is present and it looks for opportunities to rear its ugly head within your life, to to come out in your life in areas. I'm going to give you some example, real life examples here in just a second. So familiarity brings things down to a lower, lower level. And what did they do? They normalized Jesus. Isn't this the guy? That, isn't this the carpenter's son? Let me put it into today's terms. Hey, isn't that the guy that runs that, that carpentry business with his dad? Yeah. They made us a table and it. It's a little, you know, it's not the exact way I wanted it. Isn't that, didn't they build you guys something and you, you didn't get it done the way you wanted it? What are they doing? They're normalizing Jesus. They recognize the might that he, they recognize the power that he has. They recognize who he is. They just recognize 
him at a lower level because they don't want to exalt him or put him on a high pedestal because you know we wouldn't want him to get too full of himself. Isn't this the guy? Oh, we go to we go to church with his sisters. Yeah, yeah, he's the younger brother of so and so. Yeah, what does he have to say to us? This is what familiarity does. It's not. This isn't people. You got to get past people being evil. People are not evil. There is a demonic force, not just familiarity, but in general in the world that is attacking human beings that wants to creep into people's lives and diminish, uh, distort, twist, and destroy what God has created. People aren't evil, but this is what the spirit of familiarity, you have to be aware of it. Again, I'm going to give you some live examples here in a second. Let me give you a second Bible example. Go to So number four is going to be John chapter 12. Point number four is John chapter 12. Go a couple of books over in the New Testament. John chapter 12. And we're going to go to the third verse. John chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, verse 4, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and give to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money in the box, he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day for my burial. And I want, to, I want you to jump back to Matthew. And I want to listen, look at this in a different light, in a different perspective, how, how Matthew conveys this situation. Matthew 20, uh, 26, verse 6. And then Jesus was at Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, and a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But listen now. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So according to Matthew, Matthew's perspective of this is that all the disciples looked at it and went, why? this is such a waste of this, frag, of this uh, of very expensive oil. Why the waste? So point number four is the perspective of this is a wasted material. We are wasting this very valuable material on someone that, the, now that's the perspective. Do they really deserve this? Is this something that they should get? Why can't we? We should have sold this very expensive oil and done something. Well, hold on a second. Let me ask you this: Was Jesus not worth it? Now I'm not just telling you a story to pick to 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 uh, uh, arouse your brain and be like, "Oh, good point, Dylan." This is in people's lives today. This affects your life and my life today. Their disciples that followed Jesus looked at her and said, what a waste. And then looked at Jesus and said, what a waste to use that valuable oil on this man. Well, wasn't Jesus worth the oil? What was so bad about using that oil? Let me ask you this. Would that oil not have been used at some point or another? So you're telling me that the value of that oil being sold to give to the poor is more valuable than giving it to Jesus? That's what you're saying. I would rather have used that for something different because that would be more important than giving it to Jesus. Do you see what this is? This is familiarity. This is not they're deceived. 
This is familiarity. They know who Jesus is. They know how the importance of Jesus, but that spirit creeps in. And because they they're relaxed in their demeanor, they've become acquainted and too close and not seeing they're, they're within the forest. They're not seeing above the forest. They're in the thick of the trees. They don't see above the trees looking down at the scenario. They're in the thick of the thing sitting with Jesus and they're going, we really could have used this for something different because this use of it wasn't as important. This is what familiarity does. Why not Jesus? Why shouldn't Jesus have received that? Because that spirit of familiarity distorts and twists how you see what your perspective is. Uh, Point number five, familiarity rises up with an unattentive attitude. Point number five, familiarity rises up in your life, or I should say it gains access to your life with an unattentive attitude. So not that you produce the spirit of familiarity, the spirit of familiarity comes. That attitude, that that spirit in your life is going to come with every relationship and you have to uh, keep it at bay. You have to keep it caged. You have to keep it away from you because that spirit of familiarity is going to rear its ugly head with an unattentive attitude. When you don't pay attention to the details, when you don't, when you don't value something and see the importance of it, and intentionally look at it from a perspective of value, you begin to lower the standard or lower the importance of that thing. Uh, you begin to low lower uh, the you begin to think lower of things because you don't esteem them highly. That's what happens with the spirit of familiarity. But you you don't begin to put those thoughts into your mind. This spirit begins to attach itself to your mind in that way. All you have to do to allow yourself to begin to think that way and allow that spirit to gain some access to your life is just do nothing. Be unattentive. You've heard me say that in the past. The easiest thing in the world to do to just miss heaven, go to hell, is just live life and do nothing. Just live life every day like life is about getting your bills paid, going to work, getting a paycheck, making sure there's food on the table, you know, basically being a good quote, American citizen, not causing problems with anybody, just live a normal life within yourself. That's the easiest way to go to hell. You've got to be for God. You have to be committed to God. It doesn't take you doing work to earn anything. It takes you an effort to recognize the importance and, and grab a hold of something. Take salvation for yourself. It's a free gift, but this is what familiarity does is it puts an, it takes your relaxed, unattentive attitude, an attitude of just, you know, here's where we're at. This is what I'm doing. It takes that attitude and now it begins to pour itself in top of your life and begins to see things from a bad perspective. So point number six, write this down. Point number six, newness, N-E-W, newness wears off. What do I mean by that? Like the new car smell. Have you ever bought a new car? Been to a new house, a new home construction? There's a newness smell to it. I don't even know if that's a a word or not, newness. But there's a smell to something being new. You know what I'm talking about. You've bought a new pair of shoes. Maybe you've bought a new article of clothing, uh, something. There's a smell to something being new. It comes from the factory. It comes from the, you know, from the lumber being put together in the home or, you know, the upholstery within a home or within a car, uh, the leather smell within it, you know, the steering wheel has no marks or blemishes on it. There's something to 
There's something about something being new that you can smell. That wears off. The newness wears off of things. So if your approach to something is the excitement, the vigor of it being new and exciting, and that's what keeps you engaged, you have to change your perspective or begin to adapt to the fact that that smell of newness, that feeling of it being new and brand new will wear off. It will begin to wear off. These are, I'm going to, I'm start, starting now to get into the cure for it, the cure for familiarity, how to deal with familiarity from it attacking your life. Uh, but this is what familiarity does is it diminishes the value of things that are important. I want to read you a passage out of my new book, Armor Bears. And I want to start with one of the things that I define in the book about when familiarity is left undealt with. Familiarity is ruthless. It has no regard for the impact it has on one's life. Piece by piece, it will begin to deteriorate, deteriorate the fabric of your faith and hope. It has the potential to unravel all of the well-knit fabric in your life. Take, for example, the scenario we discussed earlier, and that's earlier in the book. Someone is worn out of the job they currently have. The boss is mean. The money is inadequate. The time and commitment to the tasks are overwhelming. They do not have time to go to church or build the life that they desire to build. So they begin to search for a new opportunity of employment elsewhere, which there's nothing wrong with that. They do everything right. They pray, ask God for help and direction. They begin to define the job, what they're looking for, the hours, the pay, what it all looks like. Soon enough, they're sitting in front of potential employers, interviewing, and eventually find the perfect fit. The hours are what they're looking for. The pay is right on target with their budget and goals, and the workload is not overbearing. Six months in, while nothing has changed from the day that they took the job, the glitz and glam of the new job has worn off. The pay, while acceptable and what they agreed on, is not over the top. And though the hours are everything that they asked for, they would still prefer not to have to be tethered to a boss and at the office as much. It's starting to feel more like a ball and chain than the dream that they had fantasized about. Stop here for a second and think. What has changed? Did the person change? No. Did the job experience change? No. Did the compensation change? No. The spirit of familiarity, though it was snooping around at the beginning of the endeavor, has reared its ugly head. It does not take much for familiarity to ruin a beautiful thing. Familiarity is toxic. Being aware of familiarity gives you an upper hand when it comes to dealing with it. The main reason it is so evil and probably the most dangerous is that you do not know it is present. You may never know you have encountered it until you are experiencing its fruit. Familiarity will go so long being undealt with because of this problem. You think you're right. After all, nobody really knows what you're dealing with, right? Actually, that's not right. This idea that nobody really knows what you're going through or what you're experiencing is familiarity at work. So I want to tell you something. Most people don't experience, or I should say this, they don't know or are aware that this familiarity spirit is in their life until they're actually experiencing the fruits of familiarity happening. 
they're frustrated at an existing situation because they didn't value it the right way. They're looking at things from a perspective like the disciples. Do you think when they saw Jesus's bloody body laying on that cross that they thought back to this scenario and thought, give them all of the oil that we have. Don't just pour some on his head, pour all of the oil on Jesus's head. Do you think when they couldn't see him in the grave and he had disappeared for that short amount of time, they thought, why didn't we value him more? Because that spirit of familiarity will begin to twist the way that you think about things, your job, your business, your family, your husband. Why do you think people get divorced because they're quote, not, not in love with their spouse anymore? Listen, you don't fall out of love. You fall out of commitment with your, with your spouse or your husband or your wife. You fall out of that commitment because the love, when you love someone, there's a commitment to it. Whether you feel it or not, you have committed to them. And love goes beyond a feeling. Love is more than just a feeling. Isn't there a song that says something about that? But love is more than just you feeling. You are attached. You're committed to that person. But familiarity starts to creep its way in there and distort what the value and true value of something really is. This happens in ministry too. We're going to talk about more of this in part two of this series. Uh, but this is six points at 6 a.m. Defining what the spirit of familiarity is. Don't miss part two on the cure for familiarity. How to rear your head at familiarity and make sure it never takes a foothold in your life. I hope this blessed you this morning. Be sure, as always, subscribe on the channel if you haven't. Share this podcast. Put it on on Facebook or Instagram. Share it on your whatever social media platform that you've got. And I'll be sure to do the same on my part. But I love you. Thanks for joining. As always, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those platforms. And they'll be a blessing to you. And share this with somebody. And I'll see you tomorrow morning bright and early for 6 points at 6 a.m. with Get Up With God and our morning devotional. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Love you. See ya.